Yeah. Dude, isn't that Bob's thing? <laughs> Don't we usually chant Bob's name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite when we get Bob chants going. That is the best. Um, so, so grateful to hear um, some stories from you guys. Um, I, I just kind of want to start off talking to, like, I know that a lot of you uh, didn't go to camp. And <laughs> woohoo! And I want you to know that, like, man, uh, whoa, uh, God really wants to encounter you here. And you don't have to go to camp to experience the Lord. We're, what we were just praying into and, and talking about in the leadership meeting is the same spirit that was moving at camp is literally in this room right now. And he wants to, he wants to move. And um, you don't have to go to camp to experience God powerfully. So um, this, is, this sermon series is going to be very much geared towards what does it look like to encounter God daily, not about what does it look like to go to camp and get really excited and come home, and then everybody just talk about camp. This isn't that series. This is a series that's applicable to everybody. Capiche? Cool. Let me, let me find what in the world um, I was going to teach on here. <laughs> I, I think it's here somewhere. I have, like, all, all these manuscripts from, from the podcast <laughs> earlier. I'm like, which... which I'm going to talk about technology tonight. No, it's like that's what we've been doing all summer. Okay. Um, so uh, it, w- it was actually a vision from the beginning um, that we talk about at camp what it looks like to merge camp and home. Because how many of you guys have been on like a, what we call a spiritual high or like a spiritual mountaintop? And, and it's funny because when you come home, oftentimes it's easy to just go like, well, back to the real world. It was so cool to act like Things were really cool, and now we're back at home, and life is kind of kind of a bummer. Um, and uh, to be honest, um, it's impossible to live on the mountaintops. Like we weren't created to live on the mountaintops, and that actually could be argued because I think we will one day live on the mountaintop with the Lord <laughs> when we're hand in hand with Him, and, and the world is the way that it should be. Um, but w- we weren't created to live at camp. Um, did you guys know that? How many of you left camp and you're like, man, I wish I could just stay there. I just want to stay there. So good. But we can't stay at camp. But um, even Moses, if you know Moses' story, he went up um, on the top of the mountain and he had this encounter. He saw the glory of God. Um, but he didn't stay there. Like the, the reality is life consists of mountaintop experiences, which we're so stoked on. And life consists of valleys, How many of you guys have been in a valley, like a really low moment in life before? And it consists of everything in between. And we'd be fooling ourselves to be like, I just got to get that high. I just got to get on that mountaintop. I just have to get to camp. Like if I could just make it to camp, like that's the wind I'm riding on. No, no, no. The the same spirit that we encounter at camp is available here, is available in the valleys and, and, and everywhere in between. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about the next few weeks. How do we take camp home? How do we encounter um, God, not, not at camp, not on Sundays, not on Wednesdays, but every single day? How do we encounter God every day, every single day? How do we integrate camp into our daily lives? Um, what if most of the elements at camp are actually accessible to you every single day? Track with me for a second. You're like, this is going to be some weird like um, bait and switch where I'm like, well, it's not possible, so just buck up and work really hard to encounter God. No, um, I want to throw this this uh, 
next slide up here. I think Jesse May's got it right here. This is the environment of camp that I kind of want to roll out for you. Why? Maybe you're asking, what is it about camp that makes it so significant? Why is camp so powerful? Let me just start listing some of these here. Um, You don't have screens. You don't have your phone in your pocket. And this doesn't just change your experience that um, you're not pulling it out, but everybody around you doesn't have their phones too. So they're present as well. How many of you have been in a room and you don't have a phone and everybody else does and you feel really... Okay, it's... Dude, at camp, everyone's in the same boat. We're just here together, no distractions in that way. There's frequent extended worship. Like multiple times a day, we're getting into a room together corporately and we're singing praises to the Lord. And it's not just about hype like we talked about with Jordy. Actually, the morning sessions were very chill. I loved the morning session worship because it wasn't about like, till my blogs give out. You know, it was like, God, I want to make room for you to move. And this is really laid back and extended worship in that way. Frequent opportunities to give and receive prayer. I know a lot of you prayed for people for the first time and it was really powerful for you because you're like, I didn't know that usually I just see myself as the recipient of prayer, but God empowered me to actually be the giver of that prayer. And then, and so many of you received powerful prayers like Stephen was just talking about, like that really moved um, a lot of people at camp. Um, Ample amounts of time in scripture, the teachings in the morning, there's so much scripture in the evening, so much scripture during your quiet time. We're like sitting in scripture, um, meaningful conversations with community. This happens all stinking week long. We're talking with our community, um, just fun experiences. There's times where it's not serious, where we're just like dunking our friends in the pool and riding go-karts and doing all sorts of crazy stuff with no agenda. We're not like so deep all the time. We're like, walk into the like go-karts like how are you in the lord really you know what i mean it's like not always deep like every like we're having fun um three meals a day in community without distraction when do we ever do that like sitting down face to face in a circle breaking bread like the lord invited us to you know eating really good food that like the food alone kind of exemplifies the glory of god we're like oh this is so tasty and then we don't have our phones and we just have each other's company. That's next level for our souls. Um, daily quiet time. How many of you loved the quiet time? Yeah, that was so good. It was like, nobody's going to talk. This is amazing. Um, and then just regular spiritual conversations where we break into our cabin times or we are walking. Maybe we were walking from the go-karts and we actually, hey, what did you think of the session? And we had really deep conversations. This is the environment that we spent five days in. And it's no wonder that we come home and we're like, whoa. Because we're, we're in this environment. Of course, we're going to, like, our, our socks are going to be rocked. Rocked, yeah. One, one, of my, one of my least favorite parts of camp is the moment, and, and I shared this with some of the, the student leaders before this, is the moment in my bus, I was driving one of the buses. I don't know how that worked out, but I was the bus driver. And um, they gave their phone backs to the people in our bus. And you could almost feel this weird tension. It was like all of a sudden, everybody just had this super bummed like state of being. And I was like, what in the heck? I, I looked in my rear view mirror, and literally, it's like kids just so bummed, like back to the real world. They're like in a totally different world. They're, you could feel this disconnection with one another, and you could feel this kind of anxiety of like, dude, I can't believe I experienced that that at camp, and now it's almost like it never happened because that's not real life. Isn't that so sad? That is, did anybody feel that way when you finally got your phone back? 
few people. A few people are like, I don't want to admit it. Um, it it's like, yeah. Um, what if our daily reality could look far more like camp than we realize? Wouldn't that be cool? What if our daily life could look far more like camp than we realize? What if our everyday life didn't have to be so much different than camp? What if the things we experience at camp are actually accessible to us in our everyday life? It is accessible. That's what I'm getting at. I'm I'm hoping that this school year would be one where you develop rhythms and you develop patterns and you reorder your life and you restructure your life and you grasp onto the lifestyle of connecting with the Lord daily, encountering the Lord daily in powerful ways. Like, obviously, we can't live at camp, but we can take camp home. So if I could narrow down why camp is so powerful, it would be this right here. Camp is so powerful because we are all focused on the one thing. There's this focus on the one thing. Do you know what all these things point to? They point to, to the one thing. It's not about the phone. It's that you eliminate the phone and it points you to the one thing. It's not about the conversations. It's that the conversations point you to the one thing. It's not about the music, like Jordy and Lexi shred, right? It's not about that. You're like, shred. yeah, Julie was like, shred? Is that a, yeah, that's a word we say, okay? Um, that's the, the music points us towards the one thing. We're seeking the one person in community, the one person, Jesus, through song, through scripture, through meditation, through, through prayer, while we eat, while we lay down, while we get up. We're, we keep being reminded of the one thing, the one person, Jesus. We have this immense focus on the person of Jesus, and I'm convinced that we have access to the one thing, the one person, all day, every day. Did you know he's available to you? Did you know he's just, at, he's just as close as a friend who's in the same room as you? He's just as far away as it takes you to set your phone down and go, oh, whoa, he is here. He's here with me, just like he was at camp. He's here with me. What if we reordered our lives in such a way that, our, that we have daily encounters with the Lord? If you think about it, no one eats no one eats one time a day and expects to get the nutrition they have. No one eats one time a week on Sundays or Wednesdays and expects to get the nutrition they have. No one eats once a year at camp and expects to get the nutrition they need. But why do we treat our spiritual lives like that oftentimes? Like, I can't wait for youth. I need that spiritual meal. Did you know that meal's on offer for you every day, multiple times a day? And you need to be feasting on that stuff. Um. To be honest, we have become spiritually deficient, and I think camp kind of reminds us of that because we're like, that was so good. I want more of that. It left me wanting more. If camp has taught me anything, it's that I don't want to be satisfied with yearly encounters with God. I don't want to be satisfied with monthly or weekly encounters with God. I want to be daily coming back to the well, daily coming back to that, that uh, bread of life. And, and I'm believing that we're going to be a youth group that experiences God every single day. And um, I think David actually captured this. He was known as a man after God's own heart. And listen to what he says, Psalm 27, 4. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord. Listen, that, that language, he was focused on the one thing that I will seek after. That's what I'm going to seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I'm, I would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. And the message transliteration, he says it like this. I'm asking God for one thing and only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. David wanted to live at camp too, right? He just wanted to be near the one person. I'll contemplate his beauty and I'll study at his feet. 
Like this one thing that David sought after was the Lord being in his presence, being near to him. That's what makes camp so powerful. Not the music or the food, but the Lord, right? And, and all this points to something bigger and better. And um, I think that Stephen was, was trying to actually get this phrase across, but it, it got brought up again um, as I was prepping this message from camp, is what if we lived like a moment in Jesus' presence is better than a thousand of our best days? What if we lived like a single moment, like I just woke up and I opened up the scripture and it was just pure gold. It was a single moment in Jesus's presence. And you can think back on your best days and you'd go, I'd trade a thousand of my best days ever for one moment in Jesus's presence. I think that's kind of the hunger that Jesus is trying to develop within this youth community. Um, Like, I mean, I don't mean to like bring this up right now, but I, I feel led to do this, but we just spent some time in Hawaii, right? So stinking good. So much so that I'm like, I need to get back there. That was, that was so relaxing, so, so rejuvenating for me. But I'm like, I want, I want this faith and I want this anchor in the Lord so much so that I'm like, I would trade a thousand days in Hawaii for one little taste of the glory of God. Don't you want that? Don't you want to experience God in that way? Um, I, I, I think that we need to kind of develop within us this holy discontentment. Where, where you're like, I'm not satisfied until Jesus has all of me. I'm not satisfied until he has complete sway and complete access over my entire life. I just am not satisfied. I'm just like, are you content? Yeah, I'm content. But like until Jesus has, until Jesus has complete access to me, I will not be sat, like content. Where we just, yeah, just simply this holy discontentment. So um, there's this phenomenal story that illustrates this type of faith that probably is really familiar to you. But um, um, let me just read it to you. That's a good transition right there. Luke 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Come on, Jesus. I'd like you to come into my house. I'm welcoming you. And she had a sister called who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I think that's so ridiculous because she's like blaming God for not like getting on her and then blaming her for not helping her. (laughs) So she's like, God, what's wrong with you? And what's wrong with my sister? Tell her then to help me. You guys have siblings that are like that? Like, she's not helping, right? Um, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But there's that phrase again, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So this moment in the gospel of Luke is so, so relatable. How often is it that we're so busy doing that we miss the whole point? Like, I think camp is a time when we slow down enough to actually be at Jesus's feet like Mary. It's kind of a time where we do slow down. We don't have as much distraction and we're like, whoa, Jesus's feet, this is actually, this is a great place to be found. Like life is found here. Like this is eternal stuff right here. It's like we get a taste of the Mary life at camp and then immediately revert back to Martha. You guys tracking with me? When we get back at home, we're like Martha. And I, I can't help but wonder if Jesus would say to our, this entire generation what he said to Martha in this famous story, he said, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I want you to focus like Mary does on the one thing. 
Do you think he would say that to our generation or your generation? You are anxious and worried about many things, but you only need to be focused on the one thing. Find yourself at the feet of Jesus. Find yourself at his feet. Martha, Martha, you're anxious, you're troubled. Just stop and be with me. Like, you're in the kitchen and this is amazing meal. Like, dinner is awesome, thank you. But here, Mary's not missing the point. She's sitting at my feet. This is the way of a disciple. When, when we are anxious and troubled about many things, it's usually because we've lost focus on the one thing. At least for me, when I have lost focus on the one thing, man, I, I have a hard time sleeping at night. I am anxious and I'm troubled about many things. And, and it's a good litmus test for me. Have I been focusing on Jesus? Have I been focusing on the one thing? Have I been coming back over and over to encounter him? So let me ask this rhetorical question to you. You don't have to answer it, but I want you to contemplate it. And Jesse May is going to throw it on the screen. Are you still enough to be at the feet of Jesus? And I want you to be considering this as we're going into the school year. What kind of lifestyle do you want? Do you want one that's so crazy, so busy, so much go here, go there, do this, wake up early, stay up late, just exhaustion? Or do you want to live this lifestyle where you actually have time and you have built in your schedule and you have ordered your life in such a way that you can be still at the feet of Jesus? Like, that's the kind of lifestyle that I want. That's the kind of lifestyle that I'm fighting to have. And I know it's hard because the American way is just this grind and do as much as you can because you'll sleep when you're dead, right? But no, we need to slow down and be still at the feet of Jesus. In your daily life, let, let's, let's fight to be more like Mary in that. Um, Camp sets us up, yes, to focus on the one thing. I've covered that. Um, so with that, I have a, I have a question. I don't, I don't know if it's up here, but what is, what is one practice from camp? Um, oh, wow. That you need to integrate into your life that will cause you to encounter Jesus daily. The Lord provides. What is one practice from camp? So we, we talked about, like, there was no phones. We, talked, we were walking around in community. We were having gospel conversations, all this stuff. We're going to come back to some of those listed out, but I want you to be thinking as we're moving forward, what is, like, one practice that we experience at camp? You're like, I didn't go to camp. I know you didn't go to camp, but those things are accessible to you. I'll say again, what is one thing that you can integrate into your life that will actually set your life up to experience an encounter from Jesus every single day? And you're like, I don't have time. Did you know an encounter with Jesus can take a moment? Did you know it can take, I'm just going to read the daily Bible verse every day. Did you know Lectio 365, write that down. It's an app that you, that it's a, the best, like super good. It's like a, it's a vitamin for your soul. Lectio 365, Lectio, L-E-C-T-I-O, Lectio 365, paid partnership. Um, I came across this dude that I, I, I think captures what, what I want to experience in life and what I think um, is Jesus' vision for his followers, and that would include you. It's this dude named, um, I don't even remember his name, is like uh, J.C. Ryle or something like that. But he was talking about the definition of a, of a zealous person. And I want you to capture this vision for what I think Jesus wants his followers to be like. A zealous person burns for one thing. Zeal for the Lord is a burning desire to please God, to do his will, and to 
it says, says, advance his glory in the world in every possible way. This desire is so strong when it really reigns in a person, it compels them to make any sacrifice, to go through any trouble, to deny themselves to any amount, to suffer, to work, to labor, to toil, to spend and be spent, and even to die if only they can please and honor Christ. And it keeps going. A zealous person is preeminently a person of one thing. It is not enough to say that they are earnest and enthusiastic, uncompromising, wholehearted, fervent in spirit. They only see one thing. They care for one thing. They live for one thing. They are swallowed up in one thing, and that one thing is to be near to God. Whether a zealous person lives or dies, whether they're healthy or sick, whether they're rich or poor, whether they please man or give offense, whether they are seen as wise or foolish, whether they get blamed or praised, whether they get honor or shame, for all this, the zealous person does not care. The zealous person burns for one thing, and that one thing is to be at the feet of Jesus. And that's so good. Don't you want that to be true about your life? I read that, and I'm like, God... Put a burning in my bones for that kind of a zeal, that kind of a passion to run towards the Lord with that kind of might. I'm praying and dreaming that we would grow into a zealous youth community, that when, when newcomers roll in, they're like, dude, I, don't even, I can't even pinpoint what it is. And, and we can go, we know what it is. We're just zealous for the Lord. That's what you're experiencing. That we would do anything short of sin to be at the feet of Jesus and just to gaze into his glory. Like we would add anything into our lives. We would subtract anything from our lives. We would do anything we can to be near Jesus. We would wake up early. We would stay up late. We would reorder and rearrange our lives to just keep company with Jesus. That's what we do. Camp not only gave us room to take on certain things, not only gave us a vision to take on like, ooh, I want to put that in my life. I want that sort of thing in my life. Um, but it actually gave us a vision for what things we need to eliminate from our lives. Um, we mentioned cell phone service. We mentioned certain distractions. Maybe there were certain habits that you have developed that it interrupted, that you're like, oh, I actually didn't go to Netflix every single night before I go to bed. That one's not personal for me at all. Um, maybe, maybe there are certain things that you had to give up at camp And you need to take that with you home, where you go, I gave that up at camp, and it actually meant life for me, and I need to give that up now. I need to give that up at home. Like, there is another story that talks about the one thing that I want you to hear. Listen to what Jesus says. Um, Or it's a story about Jesus, and he does say some stuff, so that works. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not, shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Um, shout out to Dave's sermon this last week. You shall not defraud and honor your father and mother. Underline that. No, I'm just kidding. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. I'm, I'm the master at this. And Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. He probably smiled, said, precious little boy. He said, one thing, one thing you lack. He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. This is, um, I've used this story before, and I think it's important to clarify. This is a um, descriptive story story story. 
um, specific to this man. It's not a prescriptive story. So oftentimes people read this and they go, so what are you telling me to sell everything I have so that I can follow? I'm like, maybe, but it's describing this guy's story. It's not prescribing that everybody needs to go sell everything they have. Does that make sense? It's descriptive, not prescriptive. Um, So this was the one thing, this is the point I want to make. This was the one thing that was holding this guy back from giving it all to the Lord. This was the one thing, the one thing he was lacking. It it may be a similar thing for you or something completely different. Um, I love this story because this dude talks to, to Jesus very much like I can imagine Martha talking to Jesus, like, look at all the stuff I've accomplished look at all this, like, I made this meal, and this guy might be like, dude, I followed your laws to a T, and and don't get me wrong, I think that Jesus loves everything, I think he smiles down upon you when he looks at everything you've given to him, when he sees everything that you've sacrificed for him, I think he goes, that's my child, like, that's the way of a disciple, he's so proud of what you've surrendered in order to pursue him, but don't forget, he's a jealous God, like, he won't be satisfied until he has all of you, It's not enough to just have part of you. He wants all of you. He has a way of pinpointing the one thing that you haven't quite yet handed over to him. He has a way of doing this. This is common in the scriptures too. It's like he looks at him, he loves him. He goes, boop. There's this one thing though. We all have this one thing. We all have something that it's like, man, if I could just give that to Jesus, I'd be so much more free to follow him. If I just gave up this one thing, man, I would, it would be such a weight off my shoulders. I'd be able to pursue him unhinderedly with so much joy. Um, just like we gave up stuff at camp. Like, what is that one thing that you might be lacking that you just need to give up? Like, okay, I'll just surrender that because I know that I'll be able to encounter Jesus in a, in a new and profound way. Um, for you, it might be a poor habit. For you, it might be laziness or a lack of organization. You're like, dude, I can't follow Jesus because like my life is too chaotic. I'm not, or it, it could be um, something that you need to drop from your schedule. It could be something that you really love that you just can't do anymore, right? It, it could be a blatant sin, right? I pray that if there is one of those that you would just go, dude, Lord, help me rid that out of my life so that I can encounter you and, and, and that wouldn't be a distraction from me coming to you. What's the one thing you need to give up in order to take camp home? So if you're going to encounter God daily, what is holding you back? What is keeping you from encountering God in a significant way? Can I just say it boldly? Give it up. Give it up. I was so inspired today. There's this, this pastor um, named Robert Madu. Some of you might know him. He's the man, but he, he was preaching on storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. Um, and he had like, I can't remember, he didn't say the number of Jordans that he has, but he's kind of like this celebrity pastor, and he had boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of like $1,000 pairs of Jordans, and he felt compelled that it was taking him away from the Lord. So he preached this amazing message, and he had these big like, these big uh, stage displays, and he turned them around, And it was just packed with like literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pairs of Jordans. And he goes, we're not leaving here until every single pair is gone. I don't want them. And he, he gave up every single pair of Jordans and he goes, I will never own another pair of Jordans. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that bonkers? I think that like that motivated me. I'm like, if, I mean, if Jesus could give up his life, okay, I can give up. This guy could give up his Jordans. That's next level. I'm just kidding. Like, like. 
Like, what, what, what are we willing and compelled to give up? I just want to say with boldness, like, come to the Lord, confess your sin, give it up. Um, we're going to talk about these in small groups right now, is about the right time. And here's the two questions, is what will you take on and what will you give up? What will you take on? What daily rhythm will you take on? And what, what is something that you might need to give up? And you can be... Um, you can be as specific as you feel called on that last one, but I, I, I want to invite you to be wildly specific on the first one because what I found out about small groups is oftentimes it's like, well, I think that I could like take on reading scripture. Okay, you listen to the message. That's a good Bible like Sunday school answer, but I want you to be like, no, not I think I could do this, but no, actually I'm going to wake up at 6.30 and I'm going to spend 10 minutes in scripture. And, and, and use me language and I language and actually stick to it and hold each other accountable. And, and, and another thing I'm going to ask you not to do is, well, someone could like pray every day. You know what I mean? No, I want it to be specific to you and like be creative and actually like try to implement the things that we experienced at camp in your daily life so that we can encounter God. And then why are we doing all this? Because we pray and we hope that next week when we roll in, it's not like, oh, I'm starving. I missed youth group, dude. I'm so ready to worship. It's like, no, I've been encountering Jesus all stinking week long, and we're just picking up where I left off earlier this morning. Like, I've been near to him. He's been near to me. Let's continue to do this. Does that make sense, guys? Okay. In faith, and with that, just stand up. Let me pray over you. Jesus, thank you for this small group of of, uh, amazing middle school and high school students who want to be obedient to you. I pray that you'd give us creativity. You'd give us a zealous faith um, that just wants to do anything and everything to find ourselves at your feet, Jesus. We want time with you above anything and everything. A moment in your presence is better than a thousand of our best days. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.